Welcome to the Secrets Women Keep podcast. I am your secret keeper and confidant, Lauren White. I'm a qualified counsellor and sexologist, madam of a secret society, author of permission, and a witty, highly intuitive lounge room dancing introvert. I help you as an exceptional woman in entrepreneurship to see, love, and trust all the parts of yourself, especially the unseen. Let's pull back the curtain, light the candelabra, and remove the mask. These are the secrets women keep. Hello, and welcome to the Secrets Women Keep podcast. I'm your host and confidant, Lauren White, and today we have a really rich guest, and I mean rich in every definition of the word. Her name is Denise Duffield-Thomas. Denise is the money mentor for the new wave of online entrepreneurs who want to make money and change the world. She helps women charge premium prices, release the fear of money, and create first-class lives. Her books, Lucky Bitch, Get Rich Lucky Bitch, and Chillpreneur give a fresh and pretty funny roadmap to living a life of abundance without the burnout. Her money boot camp has helped over 6,000 students from all around the world, and I am one of those 6,000 students, so I can definitely vouch for that. She's a lazy introvert, a Hay House author, and an unbusy mother of three. She owns the Lawn Rose Farm, and she lives by the beach in sunny New South Wales, Australia. Denise, welcome to the podcast. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. What a great introduction. It's really cool to um yeah, to have that. Rich. I love the word rich. It's so such a cool word. It is such a good word. And it's a word that can really um really take people back sometimes. I think it's like rich or you know, something that we talk about in Money Boot Camp is the word rich and the connotations of rich and what people automatically associate it with. But you think rich in every definition of the word, like I have rich experiences, that was a rich sensation, that tasted rich. And it's like, it's not, it's definitely more multifaceted um, and yeah. it's safe for the word rich to apply to money as well and wealth. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I, I heard Susie Orman say this on stage where she said, I stand before you a very, very wealthy woman. And I it blew my mind because I'd never heard women even claim that for themselves. Mm-hmm. And it it really did make a massive shift in me. I think it was about 10 years ago. And I just went, oh, my God, we're allowed to talk about money. yes yes we are allowed and you've been a massive permission granter for all of us I mean it's um I know your reach goes well beyond everyone that steps into money boot camp it's everyone who reads your book everyone who follows you online and it is just such a such a game changer to take women uh and people out of the shame and the taboo around money and the secrets that we keep around it and to start talking about it and unburdening and claiming it for claiming it for ourselves so that we can show others that they can claim it for themselves that's the power yeah. of um of this work that has just come through you and um, activated so many of us i know so many people in boot boot camp and made such incredible connections that have changed my life. So it's it's uh 
Yeah, it's very powerful. And I really want to thank you. I really want to thank you to any entrepreneurs listening out there. I really want to thank Denise for sending those bloody emails when you're doing a launch, because it was because (laughs) of those emails that I signed up. It was like, I almost, I was like, I signed up, I was eight months postpartum with my second baby. And I literally just forgot to sign up. That's all that had happened. And then I got another email. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I was going to sign up and just grabbed the, grabbed my card, had the money there, which felt really good to sign up with the money there and, um, and took that step. So thank you for, thank you for reminding us to keep, to step forward when, um, so many entrepreneurs hide during launches or just don't, oh, yeah. you know, don't well, I used to emails. as well. <laughs> I used to do, I'd be like, yeah, everyone's seen this. No one wants to hear from me. Um, and before I had a team, actually, that I, I would be the one sending them and I would chicken out. And so now I, it's, I, I've got nothing to do with sending those out anymore. So I, I can't, I can't sabotage myself. Yes. Yes. Depersonalize it. It's, and it's for all of our highest good that we receive those emails because what, what is on the other side is, um, is something that changes us. Your, your con, your program and your content has been in my psyche since 2016. And it just, it's so beautiful how it just, how it sits there and then it pops up and then a little another part of it pops up and it's it's just it's lots of my big takeaway from money boot camp is all the is the in, incremental upgrades that all the small things that you do compound and make for a really rich life well they really do and that's w- with anything right you don't have to be perfect but if you're just moving forward in a teeny tiny way and I like to automate those things as much as possible and they all layer in and then they become part of who you are and that's what changes your life. And I used to, as a kid and even in my 20s, wish for a lottery win. I just wanted something magic to come in and wipe away all my problems and magically transform my life. Um, and it very rarely happens to, you know, to anyone. It, it happens through those little tweaks and changes that um, sometimes you don't notice or you yeah. don't think it's going to make a difference, but it really does yeah. with anything. Yep, for sure, for sure. I'm a big fan of lots of small actions, especially for high achievers that can sometimes default to the thinking of it's got to be a week-long retreat or nothing. It's got to be something like the the one end of the spectrum or I don't do anything at all. It's got to be a year-long program or I don't do anything. It's just it's just yeah. gets us out of that black and white thinking and really allows us to um, come into the power of small things. So thank you for that. Thank you for that gift. It's just the, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> there's something I really want to ask you, and it's about the bathroom stall moments in life. Now, the bathroom stall moments are those ones where you're trying to hold it all together when everything feels like it's falling apart, like you're like you're sobbing and there's snot and <laughs> you're just like, I want to be seen by someone. I want someone to tell me it's okay, but then I want to be invisible in the same breath, like no one see me right now. I just can't. I just want to hide. I'm just wondering, have you ever had like a bathroom stall moment in your life and you can substitute it with a stairwell or an elevator or a car or an office stall. And more specifically with you, I would love to know if you've had a bathroom stall moment about your money situation. 
Yeah, I had a uh, had so many of these in my twenties. So um, I was living in Sydney, away from my family. I was the first person to go to university, and it was a really big deal. And then it all just fell apart. Like I I couldn't cope with life basically. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I had this boyfriend who was was very um, uh, damaged and experienced a lot of trauma in his life, and I couldn't deal with that either but I just kept on clinging on to him and I would I worked three jobs and I would give him money and just all these all these things happened but um we did some long distance stuff for a while and it was just it was just really really horrible and I just remember one moment I was in my bed and I just got off the the phone from him and and I just went oh my god what's that smell and it was there was a moldy banana under my pillow and I just it was like what and you know when you just wake up and you go oh my god and I was lying in this bed and I had just enough room to kind of go in because there was stuff all over the bed I didn't have um a pillowcase on my pillow I was just like oh my god I'm just waiting for this man to love me this boy damaged boy to love me and he he's not going to and it was such a it was such a wake-up call um and I'd I'd had so many moments like this in my twenties where I was just like I'm on my own and mm. there's nobody there's nobody here to help me. I've had those moments at work, um, but I would say one that was fairly recent. So it was a couple of years ago. I was on a book tour in America, and it was like this five city book tour. And it actually came about because all I wanted to do was go on this trip, um, and it was a trip like a very expensive trip to go to this mastermind. But I felt guilty about going by myself. And so I was like, oh, well, I guess, you know, Mark and the kids come. And then I felt guilty about just going for this trip. So I was like, oh, I guess I could do a book event. And then, oh, well, while I'm going to that city, I may as well go to that city. I may as well go to that city. And it ended up being this five-city book tour just because I couldn't just go to this thing by myself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was like the day before one of the events and I was so tired. And um, I think my youngest was, he was like, two um and the hubby was like well you have to get up and feed him and I just went oh my god I'm on this book tour because what what and I I just had this moment of like I'm the golden goose and everyone's sucking the life out of me um even like my mom had come on the trip because I felt guilty about leaving her at home and she was supposed to help and she wasn't so I, I was like oh my god everyone was on this trip because of me we'd even paid for Mark's family to come over and meet us in one of the cities and you know, everyone's just like, well, go on, go do your thing, get on stage and dance kind of thing. And I was just like, oh, my God, guys, I'm the golden goose and you're all killing me. And um, lots of things changed after that, lots of things. We changed roles in the company. We changed boundaries. I had to really advocate space and carve out space for, for myself and my energy. But it was it was such a wake-up call moment. And actually I found out I was pregnant on that trip too so I was like pregnant, two kids, a husband, a mom, everyone. And I was just like, you guys all suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you all suck. And but I I I had done that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I had done that. So yeah. um yeah. There'd I, been I there'd been co-creation and, there. There'd been a form of co-creation there where you'd definitely yeah, brought them on. Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh God. And you know, similar thing happened. I did a book tour in London and Mark's dad looked after I think it was even just one kid. And he 
it, during my talk and he literally met me at the back of the stage and he was like, are you finished now with like, the, you know, Willow in a pram? Um, and I was like, um, can I go to the toilet? <laughs> I just got <laughs> off stage, um, you know, and so I, I realized that I'd set up so many things in my life where I'm like, oh, no, just pile it back, pile it on. It's okay. You know, yeah. an hour of my time on stage is just as valuable as an hour of your time looking after your grandchild. Yes. Or, you know, uh, and and I had to get to a point where I was like, no, but I I am the one that, that creates this with my energy and my imagination and that's valuable. It might not look like work to other people in my family sometimes, but I was like, oh, God, guys, without my imagination and creativity, all of this would go. Yes. And I was just thinking about the US book to it, it's like you felt guilty about going on your own so you brought everyone along but in bringing everyone along like the paradox is that you ended up being singled out in a way or like it ended up singling you out and really um, redefining all of the relationships and the dynamics and the boundaries so that's yeah yeah Yes. Book tours are honestly my biggest learning experience because I did one in 2019 in Australia and I did it was a 14-city book tour. So I would um, leave home on a Tuesday, do an event on Wednesday, do an event on Thursday, I'd be home on Friday kind mm-hmm. of thing. And mm-hmm. I did that for a, a, about six weeks and I would do two or three cities in a, in a row. And even on that tour, I'd said to my team, like, you know, you need to put in the the hotel in my calendar, where I'm going, if someone's picking me up, who I'm meeting. I, I need the same seat on the plane. I need to be, you know, in the first two or fr- one or two rows in an aisle seat because I get claustrophobic. I need this, this and this. And there were so many times I had to push back on that and go, hang on, where am I staying? Where, mm. Like, I, you can't expect me to turn up on this thing and and do all the logistics as well like Mm -hmm. and I had to be like not a bitch but I had to kind of feel like I had to be like I'm the talent (laughs) you know I am the talent and I have to be I'm the show pony I'm not also plowing the horse like plowing the fields during the you know during the day um and almost advocate for for that to be like I mean it brought up all stuff for me right because I was like well how I'm a I'm someone who mucks in and you know like I don't think I'm better than anyone else but it was like yeah but someone has to stand up on stage and do that mm-hmm. you know like someone has to someone has to do that and that's really valuable too it is it is um and I didn't carve out enough space for it so what was hilarious that I was doing this book tour and then I was also um I had all these other commitments that I'd said yes to. So I was coming home like from, you know, only three hours in my calendar of doing a speech and meeting people and signing books. It was like, oh, cool, that's not that hard work. Yeah, it is. And so I would get in, like, get in the cab, go back to the hotel, and then I had to do all these other commitments at night. And I was just, I was dead, you know, and I just thought, oh, my God, that's taught me something as well. So book tours for me have been the best learning experiences about what I need to thrive and it also brings up all my stuff of like, you know, oh, you're a diva. You think you're better than other people. Brings up all my brings up all my recurring money blocks that I have to deal with. Yes, yes. What, what um, 
in regards to book tours, what money blocks did they bring up for you? Did they? Did you feel like you got a return on your investment in your book tours? Um, well, it depends on what your metric is, right? And so True. my metric has always been um, no like and trust factor. Mm-hmm. That for me is that is what um, starts off everything. And it's actually funny. Um, one of my tours. I hired a sell from stage coach because um, I was like, oh my God, I'm, you know, I've just been half assing this business for, for so long. Um, maybe I need to hire an expert to help me. And it really just, it bombed because it was just not, it was not me. And so I realized as long as I can cover my costs on, on my book tour, it is about the no like and trust factor. And that has paid off for me so many times because People go, oh wow, I met her and she's a real person. Oh, I think I might join her boot camp. Mm-hmm. But me from selling from stage, going, go and join my boot camp, and it's like, <laughs> you know, a prize for the first five people. It did, it did not work at yeah. all. And so I, I would do it again and again, just with that, um, you know, that expectation of like, hey, this is just to connect with people. And actually, what I would love to do is, I've got this dream of hiring one of those massive big tour buses that you know you can sleep on and stuff like that <laughs> and doing a coast to coast and then it only costs like I think like five grand to completely cover the bus in your own branding Whoa. so I want it to look like a giant combi van yeah <laughs> and um and then just go from coast to coast and I, but I almost did the same thing I was like yeah Mark and the kids can come and then I was like no, that's no. Just gonna, yeah, I'm like, no, I don't think that's gonna happen. And um, yeah, so I just yeah, it's it's a weird thing for an introvert to do, but it's like every two years I'll go and just meet a whole bunch of people and then it takes two years for me to recover. Yeah, yeah. No, no I get that as a I get that as a fellow introvert, but it's very I mean, from what you've shared, it's very it's very laser focused. You've got that you know, you, you're you one of the people that really taught me that you can, like, being an introvert doesn't mean that you're shy. Like, and I was like, what? I thought being an introvert, and it's like, no, no, it doesn't mean that you're shy. It doesn't mean that you don't want to be with people. And the stage is a good kind of boundary. It's the meet and greet afterward that I imagine that could get a little bit taxing for an, no, if you have a lot of that or for not. sure but I think because it feels for me it's it, it is work it doesn't mean it's not real it's not like I go home and you know go people but it's just like in the it is my job you know and so I I think that helps and because I was a performer growing up you know the I the, the putting on makeup and putting on like a costume kind of thing is and then I'm like oh hi 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 you know and I'll I'll pose for photos and I'll meet a hundred people but I can't do that every day mm. you know and so then someone will be like oh I'm in your town I'd love to have coffee and I'm like oh, no mm. um not because I don't like people it's just that that's just not it's yeah <laughs> I, I you know I'm like well no I've I've set a time that we can connect it's every two years yeah <laughs> in this venue <laughs> um but yeah I but now knowing that I have to build that in and I was like oh I didn't even build in any massages or anything like that as part of the tour and so next time I'll be like well this is what I need and this is what yes. this is what happens and this is what happens and yeah 
It'll be so different. Yeah. It's each one that you've done. I, I remember, I don't know that it was a book tour. You went to London at once. Like you've you've been, yeah, you went to London at one stage as well. Each one um, will hopefully allow you to be more discerning and selective and precise about what really works to um, to keep your energy operating yeah. where you need it to operate in order to um, to reach people and connect with people. Absolutely. The next one will be epic. The next one will be epic. Oh, I can't wait to go to London again. I think I've done four book tours in London now. And um, it's it's just a place I love going. But now that my kids are a little bit older, my oldest is three, you know, like I can be like, oh, well, you guys stay with Mark's family. You guys be there. And I'll go to London by myself. And actually, the last tour that I did in London, I was only there six days, but I could only do that because I didn't have any kids with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, I arrived on the Tuesday, I did an event Thursday and Friday, and then I think I went home Sunday and it was, it, it was, it was still full on. Yeah, it's really full on. <laughs> yeah. I saw your picture when you landed and whenever I land in London, I feel like <laughs> I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to be sick. Like just that, that lag. And I just looked at your picture and you kind of look still like fresh, but you're really happy that you're there. And I'm going, Oh, you look so good for someone who's just Well, you know what the the secret is to that. I know what your secret is, but please tell the listeners. Yes, you have to fly business or first class. Yep. You have to. And I used to really bulk at the cost of it because it's so much more expensive. I mean, it's the cost of my first car times three kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But it's that's part of the... Advocating for what you need and, and and yourself, right? But on a smaller scale, it's still advocating for what your energy needs. I did a speaking thing, um, you know, a year and a half ago in Sydney, and I was like, "Well, I'll need a hotel the night before." And they were like, "But it's in Sydney." And I said, "Yeah, but I'm three hours from Sydney, so you want me to speak at eleven? I have to be there at ten, which means I'd have to leave at seven, which really means I'd have to leave at six. And and I just said no, this is what, this is what I need. I need a hotel yeah. the night before because again, I've been so used to my whole life. And so many of us do this. Well, I can make do and I can, yes. you know, I'm not a diva and I can muck in like anyone else. And I just went, well, it just doesn't work for me to do that. Yeah. And, and you know what, this is the, the funniest thing too. It was someone that I knew. It was someone who um, I'd worked with years ago, who I'd considered a friend and I still charged her for it, mm -hmm. you know? And I, it's like, well, this is what I need. Um, so, yeah, and I've learned that lesson the other way where I have done freebies for friends. And honestly, the energy, because it's not balanced, the deficit of that has to come from somewhere and it comes from my life force. And it doesn't feel fun and it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel good. I've got come away from a, a friend's event and I, I hobbled into the taxi and I was like, oh, my God, what's going on? And I was like, it wasn't a win-win. No. -win. Mm -hmm. No, it wasn't a fair energy exchange, and so I have to deal with that. Yes, okay. It's like it's like an energetic hangover, just that that sense of like you're left you're left with less than what you had before you started, before you yeah. did that thing, before you said yes. So, what's your best? How do you manage? Yeah, what's your best advice or guidance around? energetic exchanges especially between women um with money without money what's um yeah what's your best advice around that yeah so a big thing I see 
is women bartering with each other, as in swapping skills and services without any money exchanged. Mm-hmm. And, oh, this is so funny. I did a, a talk recently and I was talking for 20 minutes about bartering and someone put in the comments, what is this bartering? She's talking about that they spelled it B-A-double-D-A-R-I-T. Um, oh. <laughs> I was like, oh. I should have said bartering. Yeah. Is that bartering? Um, <laughs> so a lot of it's Australian say, bartering. It's bar- <laughs> bartering. It's a sheep. We give each other sheep. No, it's so I did it in my first year too. Um, someone I know who was an amazing photographer, but didn't feel confident charging for her work, which she totally should have. And I was like, oh, well, I built my own website on TypePad. How about I build your website and you do photos for me? And she did these amazing photos. She did like 1,200 edited photos for me. And she got this TypePad blog by someone who's <laughs> not a graphic designer. And so in that case, I, I won. But then I've done other arrangements with other people where, you know, oh, yeah, I'll coach you for free and you do this thing for me. And they never do it. And so this is this is fine, right? Yeah, there's sometimes you don't have enough money. But it's this energetic thing of like, well, I can't receive money or I'm not worthy of money or I'm not responsible enough for money or Mm -hmm. just energetically I am not open for business. Mm -hmm. And so what that does is when you're just setting up all these side bartering arrangements, you will attract people who want it for free. So they'll ask for discounts. Um, Even if you think it's a secret arrangement that nobody knows about, energetically you're just attracting more of it and so an interesting thing happens when you set a line in the sand and you just go you know what I'm not going to do this anymore Mm. it it does shift the energy of 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 your business and so even if you don't necessarily it's not forever it's worth an experiment to see if it shifts and changes the people because it's it's a it's a little hole in your defenses and, and people sense that and yeah. so they'll be like, oh, well, can I get it for free? And then because you feel like, oh, I've already made an exception, you feel you feel bad, mm-hmm. you know, and then that, that adds another little way for people to bypass your boundaries. So, yeah, I just think it's an interesting one just to, to, to say no. And sometimes people are surprised, you know, like they'll, like, again, friends, they'll ask me to speak and I'll be like, yeah, here's my speaking fee. I mean, I'll give them a discount. Cool, fine. Um, but I'm like, yeah. Because otherwise I've just not got, I'll just not come. Yeah. <laughs> like you have to lure me out of my house with money. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And it's about, um, yeah, it's about, it's not just about the one thing, like what I'm hearing from what you're saying now, it's not about the one favor or the one thing. It goes on and on and on and it doesn't stop. Like you just never have a lid on it if you, if you keep saying yes to all of those things and then one day you look at your business and it's like, oh, I've got a hobby business because I've basically um, built the no like and trust factor, which is very valid by doing things for free. There is a way to do that, but by consistently putting out the energetics of um, not being worthy or valuable enough to receive money from that exchange, then it... um, can dig you yeah dig a bigger dig a bigger issue so really the earlier you get onto that one um the better it is for your bottom line and for your clarity and your purpose and it makes you far more discerning about what you will and are willing 
what you are mm-hmm. and you're not willing to do as well because otherwise there's just no cap on it. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll do anything. But when it comes to, oh, this is the exchange, it's like, is that exchange, like, does it feel um, does it feel valuable for me to do the preparation for that and the speaking time? Exactly. And the Oh, gosh. So uh, this is one of the ones I did recently was um, no summits and no training on other people's programs because so many people would ask me that I was like, I don't have the time or energy to evaluate each one of these requests. Yes. And so for me, it became a blanket no because I realize there's so much in that where we ask each other to do things like that. Oh, you know, could just come and do a training in my program, a paid program, right? So I was like, oh, but what happens to that IP um, in the quote unquote real world? Like my husband used to work in marketing and he'd be like, well, you would license that for a year and you would have very strict agreements of how they use your face, how they would market that. Um, and so I was like, oh, does that mean my face is part of the marketing for it? Does that mean my face is part of the Facebook ads or the sales page for it? For how long? How long can they use this for? Mm-hmm. What happens if that person does something in their business that I disagree with? Then I'm going to have to you know, ask them to remove that from their program. And so I realized that all, this, all the variables were so confusing. I just went, oh, I don't do that. And someone asked me this week and I almost made an exception because I like her. And I was like, oh, and then I just said, oh, hey, babe, here's why I don't do that. Um, and it's just a black and white thing for me. But I would love to come on your podcast. Yeah. I'll go on anyone's podcast because it's no prep for me. Yeah. <laughs> I tell the yep. same stories again and again. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's very low stakes from our, like, reputational IP kind of point of view, obviously, if we yes. go on certain people's podcasts. But it just made me realize that sometimes, you know, the boundaries are there for a reason and usually it's an energy management thing too because I don't have the energy to look at and everyone thinks they're the exception to your boundary, everyone. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, come on, I'm the exception. I'm special. Everyone, I'm special. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Look, you are special. (laughs) Not not saying you're not, (laughs) but it is, it is a lot. It is very clarifying knowing where your no is and it allows you to keep the focus on all the things that are that are working and flowing and going well and um, your business model is really, uh, really incredible. It makes, it makes perfect sense. It flows. It, um, you, cap- you capture people at different points and you've done some different things here or there, which you've always made good use of if you haven't continued them. This is what I've witnessed as an outsider. But um, ultimately, something I did want to ask you was about um, boot camp because you've created yeah. this incredibly safe space there. Like to have a Facebook group with 6,000 people that feels safe is really, really something special. Course participants feel like it's a container that's conducive to revealing their stories and secrets about their money situation and about their escalating wealth as well. And mm-hmm. I was wondering, would you say that you've heard all the secrets that women keep about money and wealth or are you still are you ever still surprised? I wouldn't say I'm surprised because, um, you know, like I have heard pretty much everything. What, I, what I'm so curious about though is finding all of those little nuances and we do monthly live calls in boot camp, as you know, and every month 
I I go, oh God, what are we even going to talk about? Like surely we've covered everything. <laughs> and we we haven't, you know. And so last month we talked about weddings. And I was like, oh my God, there's so much in here that I'd never considered before about our money and just even just the topic of weddings. And we went into so many different little places within that. The month before, we had a massive discussion about allowance and pocket money and how that's impacted our money stuff. And so it's not that I'm shocked. It's just that I'm always so um, energized by where the conversation goes. Mm -hmm. And that's because we shift and change, right? And so we, like, even just the time that I've been running boot camp in nine years, like I've had three kids since then, and that's shifted the way I see things. Um, The conversations that the world is having over the last couple of years has given us a new layer and a new nuance to how we talk about money and privilege. Yes. Um, Yeah. And so, you know, the world's always going to change. We're always going to change. And there's going to be new people who come in and bring their their stuff as well. You know, we're at the moment in boot camp, we're very US, you know, US uh, heavy, I, I'd, I'd say. Mm-hmm. It's probably 60% American and then it's Australia, then the UK and then Canada and New Zealand, which is still a very, you know, Eastern view of, of the world. And we have people from all over, but, you know, that's going to shift and change as we grow too. And even personally, the, the biggest challenge that I had in, at the start was I was like, well, this is a democracy, everyone's equal. And then I realized that groups don't always work that way. You need somebody to put a line in the sand and say, no, the, this is the um, purpose of the group, these are the values of the group, and this is what's in and out of scope in this space. And I resisted that for a long time. And so there'd be points in the last couple of years where I've just gone, oh, maybe it's time to shut that group down because it's 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 hard to manage. Um, and I had to get over my resistance to getting help in there. So now we have a community manager. I had to get over my feeling as the group grew that I had to uh, like read every single post and solve every problem. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah. And what I found though, that energetically from the group, we seem to attract people who were very self-managed in a lot of ways. And they they come in and use the group in such a beautiful way, but without like dumping their stuff in there or, you know, everyone seems to be very mature in that, in, in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that we'll go through shifts as it, as it grows again. And, you know, I always kind of thought, oh, we'll get to like 10,000 and evaluate <laughs> see how we go because I've resisted, you know, creating spinoff groups and all the stuff that I've seen not work um, in other bigger groups. So I think community is such a oh god it's it's such a playground for bringing up your stuff in, in lots of ways too as the leader and as a participant and one sabotage that I see that comes up actually quite regularly in the group is people's unresolved stuff around being excluded or oh, feeling yeah. left out yeah and I'm going to talk about it actually this week we've got our live call this week and about mm-hmm. how you know, people come in and go, oh, everyone's ahead of me. And it's like, well, that's the point of the group is that you can normalize those conversations for yourself and you can um, be triggered with with your stuff. And so sometimes that's one of the reasons why people leave is because they go, oh, my God, there's all these people in here who are kicking big goals. And it's like, well, that's what you wanted. <laughs> you, wanted mm-hmm. to, yeah. you wanted to be exposed to that. And some people have been in there for five years and they started out 
really, really small. And then they're, they they pop back in and go, oh, I haven't posted for two years, but oh, now I'm a multimillionaire. Yes, Bye, guys. Seriously, it's true. <laughs> and it's just like, because well, they've been out there doing the thing and putting the effort in and, um, yeah, and it's incredibly it's incredibly inspiring, but yeah, that's why you sign up to your program is to um, is to be around that energy because there is still a lot of poverty mindset out there. There is still a lot of um, like even the word people using the word expensive, like what's expensive, and that's you know um, that's outrageous, you know what that's priced and things like that. And it's like being in boot camp for the last five years, I'm always I've got this excellent like um kind of armor that comes up that's like okay they think it's expensive but what do I think and it's like no I think it I think it might be out of my reach financially at this point in my life but yes that thing has value and that's just what I say to myself like even if I think um, like remember when um, when the pandemic first happened and in boot camp we're talking about that really ugly horrific like um it was it was like a bathrobe that Louis Vuitton had released for like $16,000 or $30,000 or something and it sold out overnight because people saw value in that people knew that they were going to be at home and they um wanted this luxury item to be at home with and they saw value in that we we talked about that in boot camp we had a little um had a bit of a laugh about it and it was just like yeah well people value that and that that it is is what it is it is what it is it's not there's no charge to it it's got nothing to do with you it doesn't say anything about you it's it's not an attack on you it's to say this is something for you you can buy what you value you can access the freedom that um, feels most aligned with you when you have access to more access to this resource when you're open to receiving it when yeah it's just yeah it's incredibly powerful being around that community and that consistent exposure is um, Mm. really up it up levels you even when you're not taking the action I think it's just that consistent exposure to normalizing these conversations and um and yeah. I yeah and I um I was wanting to ask you like just say you had two women in front of you that had the exact same financial situation one doesn't say anything about it doesn't talk about it doesn't share about it and another one does talk about it and share about it, um, her secrets and stories. Do you think, believe that energetically sharing and speaking gives you any leverage when it comes to your wealth and prosperity? Mm. Yes and no. So I was always the person, I I loved talking about money, Mm -hmm. always. And um, as a kid, I loved starting businesses. And in my 20s, I loved talking about money. And um, the problem was I didn't have anyone to talk to about it who could receive it in the way that was useful for me. <laughs> yeah. And and so context is everything in that way because my in like my early days of business, I remember saying to my mom, like, oh wow, I, someone's paying me five hundred dollars to go speak at their event. And she was just like, Oh, that's my salary at the nursing home. And I felt horrible horrible I felt like such a horrible just disgusting person honestly it really it really rocked me and so 
even now, like my mom is not an appropriate audience for me talking about how much money I make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So who you're around is is so important because not everyone has the ears to hear it. And, um, you know, that's why places like Money Bootcamp are so important because you can say, oh, I, I've done this and people will uh, receive it, celebrate you and also have the tools to deal with their triggers if they get triggered by it. And, you know, we kind of have a no shaming rule in bootcamp where it's like you can't shame someone else for what they spend money on or even how they earn money. Uh, it's not like we've got like arms dealers in there or anything. Um, <laughs> but so, yeah, I think and I feel really sad for people who don't have that because their friends and family can really shame them, really derail them. Yeah. And so at the start, if you can't afford to buy into something, it's like, well, what are the podcasts you're listening to? And, you know, you can join free groups on Facebook and what are the books that you're reading that's where you have to start because it's yeah it's hard not having people to to go through that stuff with but at least that's a good start to go oh wow no there are people out there who are talking about it and this is a normal conversation to have yes yeah most definitely most definitely it's a something that I say to my something that I say to myself is money's not going anywhere anytime soon sure there are new like newer iterations of money and wealth and <laughs> exactly. status, like Bitcoin, Dogcoin, um, but the 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 sense of currency that's not going anywhere. So it is a conversation that we do need to keep having it with is. ourselves and other people. And you know what? The thing that's like obviously we have to be so mindful about the systems that keep people um, oppressed and poor. And like I'm I'm super lefty. Like I'm like I'll pay my taxes and I want my taxes to help the less fortunate. Yeah, you know, study, all these things. Yeah. But there's this sense of like oh well you know let's not contribute to the capitalist system. I'm like but the only people who are lying awake at night worrying about that <laughs> are people who want to do good in the world. The yeah. people who are buying their twentieth yacht and like you know, killing the environment. They do not give a F. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. They're they're not going to be shamed out of it. And so we have to build something with what we've got. Like, you know, yes, we're dismantling systems, we're creating new things, but we're still working in this framework that we have currently and holding yourself back, not making money, um, that doesn't doesn't help anyone. That doesn't doesn't solve anything. and I was very naive about that for a long time. I, you know, I was very naive about money in politics, for example. And I was, I just thought, oh wow, people just pay their taxes, and they don't. No. Um, and so yeah, I, I now, and I had a, a meeting yesterday with um, someone who manages our our fund, our philanthropy fund, and we was, you know, we're talking about priorities. And I was saying, yeah, I still, I still want to do the short term things. And, you know, there's lots of little things that we fund. But I said to her, like, I just want to make sure I'm also funding long-term change and making sure that the world is fairer. And that takes money. You know, it takes money to change policy. It makes it sometimes takes decades of lobbying behind the scenes to change things. And but sometimes all you have the energy for is, okay, I need to get the next client and I'm paying for ballet lessons or I'm getting the next client to pay my rent. And that's okay too. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. 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 It is okay because sometimes you need that really short side and then as you build up a sense of safety and your nervous system feels safe and the money mm-hmm. starts yeah. flowing, then you can put your sights on bigger things. And I think for 
people, they can get so deflated by cast, like the dreams are really admirable and incredible, but casting your mind so far ahead into investment properties and portfolios and um, whatever else is in your, you know, is something that you're dreaming bigger about when it comes to wealth and prosperity. It's just for the time being, just keep, keep yourself going, keep yourself safe, keep things flowing. And then mm. um, incrementally, it goes back to what we said at the beginning, then incrementally you can, um, or one day you'll be looking back going, oh, it's because of all those small actions I took where I only had the next day or the next hour or the next so well hour said. in your mind. Yeah. And, you know, that's a whole whole conversation, right, is the nervous system thing of feeling safe. And that that's one of the things I put on social media is it's safe for me to do this. It's safe for me to be expensive. It's safe for me to get the sale because so much of it is, is like literally calming down your inner child or that part of you that's like, oh, my God, something bad's going to happen. Yeah. And if you grew up in an environment like that, it's so hard to it's so hard to undo just with willpower and um, just pushing through and taking action. You have to do so much of that in a way. And even yeah. it doesn't end. I hate to tell people that, but some of my therapy that I've had in the last year or two is because I've never had the bandwidth to deal with some of my really like earlier issues. And the difference now is I've got the the money to deal with it, but you're still going to be you <laughs> with more money. <laughs> yes, and yes. Yeah, no amount of money is going to make you a perfect version of yourself. You still have to just be really gentle. And part of the incremental stuff is acclimatizing yourself to more ease, more space, um, and without sabotaging it, which a lot of us do often. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of celebrities, yeah, and this is a whole other podcast I've observed a lot of celebrities do as well because they're humans too. Like a lot of people, it's, um, you know, it's a energetically holding that wealth, that prosperity, that money can be really um, at odds with how they're, how they're primed and what they're, what they've, you know, ha- the fact that they've not acclimatized to hold that and it just, mm-hmm. it ends up being a, um, ends up being a tabloid. Yeah, it's really sad. It ends up being yeah. a tabloid story, but that doesn't have to be your story if you consistently check in with your money and your and your nervous system. Two very powerful yeah. um, things that are not going anywhere. If you con- consistently check in with them and do find a sense of safety and acclimatization, then um, the sabotages are less, far less likely. Um, absolutely yeah you know I I love reading celebrity autobiographies for that exact thing just to see what like what humans do with a ton of money and um, I recently read Elton John's book and you know his early days it was about buying love and excess and all that kind of stuff and then he's gotten to a point now where he was like yeah I spent a ton of flowers but I don't feel guilty about it anymore because I'm on top of my finances now and I know I can afford it instead of like in the 80s and 90s where his bank manager called and said, well, you've got to stop spending money on flowers because you literally have no money left. And he was like, what? And so it's like money doesn't change those underlying behaviours, but you sometimes have to, you know, put those things in place so you don't go to your default sabotaging behaviour. 
yes. or it doesn't it doesn't wreck you. So yeah, I would I we could do a whole um, yeah, podcast on celebrity yes. celebrity memoirs because <laughs> yeah, I'm I, lo- I love I love that I love biopics. They're my favorite. Like just watching Straight Out of Compton a couple of weeks ago. That was a good one about how they got dicked around with their money and their contract and um yeah about yeah. So it's just yeah, I love those stories. I yeah, I really love those stories. So Denise, I could talk to you all day (laughs) but I know that we need to wrap up now what's um what's one what's one secret that women hold about their wealth that you would love to encourage them to release yeah so I think we get caught up in timing a lot you know of like oh well I've got kids or I'm too young or I'm too old or it's mercury retrograde or something like that or my time will come. And so an affirmation I use a lot is um, it's my time and I'm ready for the next step. And I, you know, I, you know, I say this in boot camp as well. I say mm-hmm. it's your time and you're ready for the next step. So it's kind of like the L'Oreal. It's like, I'm worth it. You're worth it. We're <laughs> worth it. It's our time. And so you can really use this um, in so many ways. So if you just write it down somewhere, it's my time and I'm ready for the next step. And each day a, a different word in it will be, have different meaning for you. So sometimes I'm like, oh, well, I've had my success now. Like, and so I'll go, no, no, it's also my time, you know, or you go, oh, well, it's, you know, it's the pandemic. No, this is our time. Like, come yeah. on, this is our time. Yeah. And then it's like, and I'm ready because, you know, when you, you never feel ready. You have to declare yourself ready. So sometimes you need the, I am ready. I've, I've worked for this my whole life. I'm ready. And then it's like, I'm ready for the next step. Not everything. You know, maybe, and what you were saying before when we pre-worry about, oh, God, what am I going to do when I have a million-dollar type store? You yeah. Just get your first client, love. Yeah. Go to the next, just get the next client and see how you feel. And so, you know, that's, I just use that all the time to overcome any excuses around stuff like that. And there's something that's magic about it too when you start to say, it's my time and I'm ready for the next step. Opportunities will start to come in and you'll go, oh, I'm not ready. Hang on. No, I just declared myself ready. I am ready. I am yes. ready for this next step. Um, yeah, so it's it's a really good one. Use it on everything. It is a good one and it's timeless and it really comes down to deciding. That's what I like. That's yeah. what's very sexy about it is it's, is it's deciding and it's not leaving, putting the power over to anyone or anything else out there. It's saying, it's saying I've decided this is going to happen regardless of the conditions out there, regardless of the context, regardless of the state of the world. I, I love that. It's very, yeah, it's bang on. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's really, yeah, really powerful. Denise, I've loved having you on today. Um, I love being a part of Money Boot Camp. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure um, if anyone's interested in Money Boot Camp, can they – DM you or or yes so um yeah I'm absolutely so my website is denisedt.com uh and slash bootcamp for bootcamp or you could go to slash blocks and there's a free workshop there um but I do love getting dms actually so my insta is at denisedt so if you're in front of a computer follow me at denisedt and um, yeah, anyone can join at any time. And I used to do it as a launch. Now I'm just like, oh, if it's urgent for you right now, come and join it and I'll help. <laughs> We're ready to help. Um, but I also love when people DM me, um, you know, just like a little shift they've made in their life or something that they've taken on board from our interview because 
I'm a Virgo. I love being of service. And so if someone's like, oh, I, I listened and then I did this. I'm just like, oh, yes, <laughs> that's so good. Yes, we like the action. We really like it. Yes. So thank you so much, Denise, for being on. Please go and follow Denise and um, maybe a follow-up episode in future. Yes. In That'll order. That'll be fun. And thanks for trusting me with your beautiful audience. And thanks, everybody. No problem. Thanks, Denise. Thank you.